right, let's turn together to First Peter chapter 1. We just stay in that spirit of worship and focus. Um, we've been in a series uh, for a couple weeks now. Um, we've really been pretty much all, uh, all semester long, taking some turns here and there. But we've been looking at uh, Jeremiah 2.13, where God sends word to his people through a prophet uh, to let them know that they are living out of step with how he created us to live. Um, this is how he words it to them. He says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And what that ultimately comes down to is that uh, for the people of Israel, God had uh, rescued them from Egypt and established them as a nation, and the design behind not only their formation as people made in his image, but also their calling as a nation was that they would be his people and he would be their God and he would supply all of their needs. That he would be who they turn to. He would be the father of their family. Um, and yet they had gotten in this pattern of looking elsewhere for their needs. Um, and in their context, they were praying to these gods of these other nations, these false gods. You have these other people groups who would people groups who would worship uh, the moon, the sun. They would worship created images. They would carve faces into tree stumps and worship it, you know, kind of thing. And um, Israel had fallen into that trap of worshiping these gods that didn't exist, these created things, instead of the creator who was there to sustain them and be everything to them. And the idea was that the other nations would be able to look at Israel, this faithful nation, and say, I can't believe I would ever pray to this tree stump over here when they have the living God taking care of them. And through Jesus, everyone gets invited into that. And so what we see with Israel is we see patterns of humanity and we learn from them. And our idolatry is different than theirs. You know, we, we think of idolatry and we, we think to bowing to a tree stump and praying and asking it to bless you with money or finances or, or uh, your family or whatever it may be. Um, but idolatry in in where we live here in the states is very present. It's just a little more subtle, and so that's kind of where we've been the last couple of weeks. Is like, what are the things that we're bowing to instead of getting those things from from the Lord? And to use His imagery, uh, hewing out a cistern was like digging a cesspool as your water source instead of the river of fresh, clean water. That's next to you. So he describes himself as the fountain of living water and say you're settling for digging your own trenches. And so in these weeks, trying to be honest and ask ourselves, are we looking to created things? Are we creating our own solutions instead of letting God be to us who he created us to be and him to be to us? And so uh, the last couple of weeks, we've looked at our, our quest for uh, like we're searching for belonging and being wanted, and how instead of finding that in the Lord, we tend to find that in people. That's the that's the broken cistern, you know. Uh, the second week talked about our, our search for um, what was the second week guidance. How we're like trying to figure our way through life, and so we have all these sources that we turn to instead of this the infinite perspective of God, who says, "I will guide you down the path and show you which way to go." 
Um, last week, we talked about our search for uh, approval and how we are, are seeking out the approval of people in so many specific ways. But really, the search for approval is just a, a search for love. And so we tend to like try to perform for people so that they will think that we're cool. Uh, instead of God offering us something way better than approval, he offers us love. And, and the specific f- way that love comes to us in that regard is through grace. That is not a performance-based thing. It's not merited in that sort of way. And God's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you do what you can't do on your own and not because you behaved just right this week and those kinds of things. And so that's kind of how we're, I've been structuring it the last few weeks is what are we searching for? And then what are the cisterns we tend to try to find that in? And, and what is God offering us at the same time? And so today I want to talk about our search for relief. Um, maybe relief is the word for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's escape. Um, maybe you're looking for regulation. Maybe you're looking, figure out how to cope with some stuff. And when I'm when I say that of like we're 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 searching for relief, you probably jumped into a context already just based on life. But let me give you some some options to explain further what I'm talking about. We want relief from pressure and stress that life puts on us. Uh, we want to relieve the anxiety and the worry that follows us around. Sometimes we want relief from depression. And feeling lethargic. Uh, maybe it's relief from just really hard circumstances. Uh, relief from suffering and pain. Um, relief from grief. The grieving process and dealing with loss in our lives. Um, we want relief from just feeling overwhelmed. Uh, sometimes it's just this general, like, I feel like I'm drowning, you know. Uh, and really, it's, it's relief from life, because sometimes life can be a lot. It can just be a ton to deal with. And sometimes that relief is, it's like, man, I had a crazy day. I want relief from what I experienced today. And sometimes it's like, I just tacked on a, a day to a stretch of days that are maybe months, maybe years, you know. And so when life just gets to be too much, we want to find relief in that somehow. And in thinking of it, uh, of like when I say regulation, I think that's, that's kind of the thing I'm drawn to a little bit and used a lot in the first service is like, if, if you think you're of your, if you think of life as like, we're, we want to be a five out of 10 in terms of like our emotional, like our just how overwhelmed are you? You want, and, and like, where's your emotional state and how, How's the stress, the the grief, the worry, the anxiety, the depression, all that kind of stuff? We want to be a five out of ten. Five is like I'm good. Sometimes we we get heightened, right? Like so, we end up being like a like an eight or a nine. And we want, by heightened, I mean sometimes like our anxiety is high, our fear is high, our stress is high, the pressure is high. Um, so sometimes you're higher than you than you want to be, and you're trying to figure out how I'm at an eight. How do I how do I not get, become a nine uh, and how do I like become a five again? I got to figure out how to bring relief to what has escalated me. Um, and then sometimes it's the other way. Like sometimes you're like, man, I'm like a two. You're on the downside of it. You're sad. You're depressed. You're 
uh, melancholy, you're lazy, you know, like you're just like, I just can't, I can't seem to like do what I want to do. I want to get back to being a five. And what we, as we are going through life, like I said a minute ago, like sometimes it's, I had, I had a day where I was higher or lower, um, Sometimes it's longer and it's like, man, I feel like I've been hanging out like a, a seven and a half for way too long, that kind of thing. Um, so we try to figure out how do I get back there. And the things that are pushing us high or low, those are all things that are not a part of the original creation. You know, Like Eden was not a place where there were like highs and, and lows in that regard. It really wasn't even a spectrum with Eden, right? Like God was like, I'm going to put you in this perfect environment. And the most stressful thing of your day is like, which, which beautiful fruit tree do I eat from today? Yeah. Except for that one. <laughs> like uh, the stress of like, how do I name all the animals? You know, like those kinds of things. But like Eden was not a place of anxiety, worry, stress, nor was it a place of depression and sadness and grief. It was perfect like so these are things that are not part of original creation these are things that remind us that we have been broken by sin that the world around us has been broken by sin uh, because sometimes what's driving you up or down is internal and sometimes it's just looking at what's happening around you um, these are reminders that it's not supposed to be this way and um, reminders that we needed Jesus to come save us Right? It's reminders that we need rescue. Um, and yet, this is the life that we are called to live. Um, Jesus has not come, has not returned yet to come make all things new. And so we are awaiting that, that arrival. And Advent is just around the corner, and it's going to be fantastic to celebrate that together. And um, this is like a little bit of forecasting of what that'll entail. But so this is the, this is life where, we're, sometimes we're a five, sometimes you're higher than that, sometimes you're lower than that. But we're, we're trying to get, we're trying to bring relief. Whenever you're high or low, you're like, I gotta do something to get myself feeling better. Um, and so there are things that we turn to. And so those are the broken cisterns, uh, for today's, you know, uh, uh subject. And in looking at the broken cisterns, I was, I was thinking about, about it in, in an analogy that may not make a lot of sense. But uh, if if you've ever uh, had to buy a weed eater, um, you in in recent days, and you went to Lowe's or Home Depot or somewhere like that, uh, there's a lot of options. And one of the things they do now is you can buy like half of a weed eater, uh, like the engine part, and so it's got the engine and it's got the controls on it. But then halfway it like stops, and you can attach a weed eater to it. But you can also attach like an edger. Or you can attach a blower or a pole saw, or there's all these different attachments that come onto it. So the same engine drives all these different mechanisms based on the different attachments. And the reason why that made sense to me, which I, please Lord, hope it makes sense to everyone, uh, is that, uh, it's the same thing that's driving all of these different cisterns, all these, these different attachments. And what drives it is control. Like, when you are feeling above or below where you want to be, you want to take control and like get things regulated. You want to get back to a five. And so I'm going to find a way to do that. And so control is kind of our way of self-medicating, like so to speak. Um, 
in, uh, in order to kind of bring relief to my situation. And even if it's just temporary, you know, even if it's just for a few hours, even if it, even if it means uh, engaging in sinful behavior, there's that part of us that's logically working our way through of saying, uh, like, I am, I am, I've got to get back to a five, whatever it takes. And that kind of outweighs sometimes our logic and even like our own, like acting of our own identity sometimes uh, is control. So control is the engine. Control is the, the, the one part of the machine. What are some of the attachments that we like that we put into that control in order to find relief? Now I'm going to go through a list and I need you to like keep, it's like the airplane, like keep your feet inside because there's probably some toe stepping that's going to happen in a minute. Um, and it's okay. It's fine. Um, this is like a necessary thing. And I've been praying about today and this message and stuff like that for, for just a long time, knowing there's some things that need to be said and to be addressed. Uh, in, in order for us to be able to ask God, what do you have to say? That kind of thing. And so um, what are some of the attachments that we tend to use for control? Uh, we... In many ways, we just look at what the world around us is offering us. Because most of the commercials that we see on television, let's say, uh, are offering us relief in some way from something. Uh, and they're offering all kinds of stuff. Every advertisement that we see, billboards do this, radio commercials do this. Um, that's what they're trying to do is saying, hey, isn't this part of your life? Like, Don't you wish it was different? Here's a thing you can buy. Here's a way that you can escape from it. Here's a way you can take control of the weed eater, and here's something you can attach to it that will bring you back to a five. And uh, so what, what's being offered to us? Uh, especially where we live in the deep south, um, alcohol is absolutely being offered to us as a, as a way to bring some relief, Right? Like, I've had a crazy day. I need a drink. Or someone else says it. Oh, you, you sound like you've had a crazy day. Let me make you a drink. Um, alcohol is like, it is a mind altering substance. That's why you can, you can look at someone and they're a five. <laughs> they didn't start off as a five. You know, you can, you can tell like, oh, you had a crazy day. Well, I see you that you've uh, taken care of that issue. I am not bringing to us uh, at all a situation to say that Christians should not drink and it's sinful to drink and all that kind of stuff. This is not about like this is not about is it okay to drink or not as a Christian. This is about what's your relationship to alcohol look like? Like, like, do you use alcohol as a way to manufacture relief because you are higher or lower than you want to be? Um, because alcohol can bring you up, alcohol can bring you down, and uh, it's very, very prevalent. And and I don't, uh, I'm, you can probably tell in my tone, like I'm a little concerned because I don't, I don't want you to think, oh, that's that's Josh's alcohol sermon. That's not what I'm saying. I don't mean that. That's my job uh, to do that. But I do need you to know that I have like pastoral loving concern about our relationship to alcohol as a congregation. Um, 
there is a healthy way to relate to alcohol. Like biblically, um, the Bible speaks against drunkenness. That's, there's really no arguing that. Uh, there's a healthy way to relate to it. And I don't know that in our culture, everyone is relating to it in a healthy way. And I think, based on uh, a lot of things, that we need to consider this as a possible broken cistern in our quest for relief. And so if you look to alcohol to bring you up or bring you down because life is too much, then I would invite you to consider asking the Lord to speak to that. I'm not asking you to let me speak to that. I'm asking you to let the Lord speak to that uh, because he has an opinion. And so uh, alcohol is not the only thing, but it is certainly one of the things that we have to be very careful of. Um, the science, the, the, the statistics, everything points to us needing to be incredibly wise with this substance. And that is what's being offered to us all the time is like, here's how to bring relief to your stress. Here's how to bring relief to your depression. Here's how to regulate yourself. Um, and we just need to be very careful with that. And so that's a possible broken cistern for us this morning. Um, and uh, again, don't hear what I'm not saying, um, but I hope you hear what the Spirit is maybe saying to us. Um, related to that, uh, drugs can be the same, the same kind of thing. There's a reason why it's called getting high, right? Like you're trying to bring yourself up or bring yourself down. Um, and drugs in so many different forms um, and in our culture, it's very easy to get all this stuff. And that's why we're seeing an addiction crisis that we're seeing is because people are seeking relief from something. Um, and I'm not talking about drugs in the, in the if, if you are medicated as a part of a professional mental health care plan uh, that you and your doctors are working on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the recreational stuff. I'm talking about, let me rifle through the medicine cabinet and see how I can bring some relief to my situation, that kind of stuff. Um, right in there with it, you know what else is another possible broken cistern? Food. Food where you're like, man, I've had a crazy day. I'm, I'm about to get three caniacs and just go crazy. You know, uh, I'm about to get the, the good ice cream and just uh, eat my feelings, as they say. That's the same, that's the same thing. That's what I'm talking about here. I'm not, I'm not demonizing alcohol or drug, well, drugs, but, uh, or food or any of that kind of stuff. It's our relationship to it. Like that's, that's what I'm trying to communicate. And I hope I'm being effective in that, that, that when we are turning to those things to find relief because we're, because we're heightened or too low or whatever it is to regulate ourselves, then that is, that's not God's design for those things or for our life. It's also, like, in other, other cisterns of possibility, pornography, same thing. Looking for relief, looking for escape, looking for some sort of, like, fantasy world where you can just, like, jump into another situation for a little while. Because you're trying to escape the reality. You're looking for a place where you're wanted and all that kind of stuff. It's all, it's all tied up in the psychology there. It's really not about what we think it's about. It's a search for something. Entertainment in general is the same thing. You know, this is the, this is the time in the history of the world where like binging TV shows is a thing. 
And obviously COVID made that worse, but it was before that. Like now you can just dial up whatever. And so there are times when instead of dealing with what you're really feeling, you're like, I think I'm just going to watch The Office again. And so we're essentially avoiding, aren't we? That's what someone said just a few minutes ago before we started. I was like, ooh, that's good. I bet that's going to find its way in there. Is that we're not only trying to escape, we're just trying to avoid. Like, I don't want to deal with it. I'd rather just get drunk. I'd rather just get high. I'd rather eat my feelings and, and, and you know, watch a TV series and then like fall asleep on the couch. I'd rather do that than deal with what I'm, what I'm really wrestling with, you know. And so we find it in substances. We find it in, in entertainment so easily. We find it in diving into fantasy worlds that are just riddled with pain and sin, but yet might provide a little temporary relief, a little imaginary relief that's there. And then one that's that's maybe like the most subtle because it, it gets masked as uh, like a personality thing. But sometimes the... In what we take control of, like the attachment on the weed eater, is control itself. Where it's like, man, my life feels so chaotic. I can't really control work. I can't really control the like global economy. I can't control this. Can't control control this. 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 What can I control? Uh, well, I can I can control my schedule. I can control my like like my house can be very neat and, and orderly. Um, I can I can control my spouse, my kids, my like the behavior things. I can I can control I can like build control into this part of my life to try to offset the chaos that's in other parts of life where I have no control over it. And so it looks like someone's like, oh, like he's just he's like a really organized person, or she's really type A, but which may be the case. But what what if it's something else? What if it's the same problems as like like running to alcohol or drugs or pornography or entertainment or food? What if running to control is the same thing? What if what if all of this stuff is really just kind of the same problem? And that's really what I'm getting at. I'm not trying to pick on a specific issue. Some of those things I just named, there are very healthy ways to to connect with them, and some of them are like they ain't a healthy way to connect to pornography. I'm just gonna tell you that. But it really isn't like I'm not trying to demonize those things. I'm trying to help us see, is this a pattern for us where when life gets to be a lot, we want to do something. I need to take the bull by the horns and like, like I need to regulate myself somehow. And so we have figured out ways we can dig these cesspool cisterns that bring what we think is relief. You think, oh, this is water. It must be good for me. And yet it's toxic, you know. And so I hope that that's like, you kind of see where I was going with all that. I eventually got there. So if, if, those, are the, if those are the cisterns, if those are the cesspools, if, those, if that's what is being offered to us all the time and we have convinced ourselves that it's enough, what does God have to say about it? You know? what, is, what is the fountain of living water? What is he offering to us? Well, First Peter chapter 1 This shows us what God is offering. Let's look, look at it verse at a time for the next few minutes. In verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, 
He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, let's stop right there. He starts off talking about God being blessed, and there's an exclamation point on it. And that's maybe not how you always feel. Like when when you are high or low, um, you may not be like, man, I can't wait to go to church and sing songs about how good God is, right? When you're stressed and you are worried and you are fearful or when you are depressed and you are down and you are grieving, maybe that first part of the verse is like, ah, whatever, man. You know? I think we've all been there. We've all been there where the, these, it's, it's hard to sing. It's hard to even go. You know? But I think part of what Peter is doing is helping us understand how that perspective can be ours. And look at the next part. First he says, according to his great mercy. Okay, now mercy... Um, mercy is another one of those like church words. Uh, like I talked about grace and uh, last week I talked about love. Uh, mercy is another one that we throw around and, and I don't know how you define mercy, but, um, biblically that word is, is connected to pain and it's the reaching into pain with compassion. It's God reaching into your pain with compassion, it even has a has a medical connotation. Like uh, if it's 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 the careful, loving cleaning of a wound that, because of his great mercy, his great willingness to reach into our pain with compassion. That's a good start, right? Because what we're really talking about in terms of being higher or lower is we're hurting somehow, right? Like it hurts to be anxious. It hurts to be fearful. It hurts to be stressed. It hurts to be depressed, to grieve. It hurts to be overwhelmed. If you're above or below a five, it just, it come, it just, it's hard. It's weird. It comes with pain. And so his great mercy is showing up is what Peter is saying. Because of his great mercy, look at it, verse 3, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A couple other key words in there. So there's hope. Um, hope is definitely like a Christ, like Christian Bible word, but it's also like it's all around the world. You see the word hope, and with it comes this idea that like things are going to get better. That's what hope essentially is saying. And even when, like, when, uh, years ago we were, like, going through a name change with the church and, like, hope was, like, such a key word. But thing is, like, we're, you put hope church on the sign out there and people, you know, people know what it is, hopefully. But, but there's also weird ways to define hope in our world. Most of our world, when it's like things are going to get better, that what the underlying thought is, like, yeah, our circumstances are going to change and that's where our hope is. But our hope is different, right? Like we're, it says in Hebrews, and we sang about it earlier, where he's given us this hope as an anchor. Changing circumstances is not an anchor, right? You need to anchor into something bigger because your circumstances are always changing, and they may not always change in the way that you want them to. And so what Peter is very careful to say, it's not just hope, it's a living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so, yes, things are going to get better, but why? Well, because Jesus is alive. That's, that's why. So, according to his great compassion in entering into our pain, he's caused us to be born again into a hope that lives, because Jesus lives. That's the proof of it. So, Whatever it is that we are dealing with, whatever is driving you higher or lower than you want to be, the resurrection absolutely makes a difference in that. Like how you engage that, how you think about that, how you pray about that, how you work your way through it. The resurrection is a is like uh, a companion on that journey. That's not separate from what you're going through. It's a part of what we're going through that our hope lives because Jesus lives. And our hope is not that our circumstances will change. Because according to the scriptures and backed up by real life, our circumstances don't always change, do they? Like, sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. We've all been through circumstances that um, you pray for a miracle and it happens and then you pray for a miracle and it doesn't happen. You know, It's not about the outcome in, in this, this kind of thinking. It's no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be okay because Jesus is alive. He's guaranteed me something that's bigger than myself. Do I want my circumstances to change? Yes. Do I want to come back to a five? Absolutely. But if that doesn't happen, if my circumstances stay the same, and even if my like emotional regulation just kind of fluctuates and all that, <clears throat> there's a a confidence in knowing I'm still going to be fine. Because Jesus crossed from death into life. And he said, you want to come along? And I said, yes. And if you've never said yes to coming along with Jesus and crossing from death into life, today can be that day for you. Like, Please do not leave here wondering that about yourself. Talk to someone, hang around after, talk to me, but do not leave wondering that. And so that's why Peter can say, blessed be the Father. Blessed be our Lord Jesus Christ. Put an exclamation point on it. Because whatever's going on in my life, Jesus is alive. And he's entering into it with me, with his compassion. It's pretty great. Can we can we bug out and go get drunk? You can. Can we bug out and go binge a TV show while we just eat quarts and quarts of ice cream? You can. Um, Jesus is offering you something better, and something real, and something that will last. And so verse three is pretty awesome, but it keeps going. Like it keeps building on it. Look at verse four. All that is true of us, and we've been born to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, he's pointing us forward, and that is that is helpful, especially at different times of life. He's saying, don't forget that your future is secure. Like this is being kept for you. 
And so no matter what happens in this, like this side of heaven for us, like that's guaranteed. So we're going to go through ups and downs and highs and lows. And we're going to, we're going to go through um, hard times financially, hard times in our marriages and in our families, hard times with the economy, um, hard times with the, like just watching the news, <laughs> you know, hard times with your kids, hard times with just, brokenness, you know. And yet to know that all of that has a timeline, like there's a finality to all of it. None of it carries over going forward. And so no matter what is pushing you high or low, even though it may feel like it is eternal and it is ultimate and it is like the, you know, to know and to be reminded when we are together with one another, when we are in the word, to be reminded, hey, this this does not have the last word. Even death doesn't have the final word. Remember, Jesus is alive. And that changes everything, right? So it's being kept for us. And look at verse 5. For you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, again, he's looking forward at that, and that's another like Advent preview here. But the first part of verse 5 says, for, for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Are, that's a now thing. And so as life is happening, and we are like moving, maybe moving up and down that, that like regulation uh, continuum there, um, no matter what is going on, God is guarding you in that. And when you're really, when the certain like negative emotions are really high, when you're really afraid, you're really anxious, you're really whatever, or you're really, really low, it's easy to forget that God's looking out for you. And even if he leaves you at an eight, he, you're still being guarded. Nothing can really get to you. Like, we will hurt, we will feel, we will suffer, we will struggle, but true harm can never come to us. Nothing's going to undo what Jesus has done. That's important to remember because sometimes our feelings, they, they feel like, like they have the final word and they just don't. Our circumstances feel that way, that kind of thing. So we're being guarded, that through your faith in Christ, you are being guarded no matter what happens. Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. At first, this feels like maybe he's like minimizing what you're going through, Uh like, or what his readers are going through, and then we transfer that to us. Of like, is is he being flippant about my pain? Like, no, no, he's really just acknowledging that now for a little while, like it's temporary, but it may be necessary for you to go through trials, for you to go through times of difficulty, things that you're going to want relief from, and to escape from, and to cope with, and to regulate. You're, you're going to go through that. 
And it may be for a, maybe for a very short time. It may be for a long season, but like, it's almost like he's like, Hey, make sure your expectations are in the right place. You know, that myth of follow Jesus and you'll never have problems and you'll be rich and you'll be healthy and you'll be whatever. And it's like, nah, I, that prosperity stuff is not in the word of God. The word of God speaks in these terms. Like, yeah, your trials are temporary. Now, temporary might be on an eternal scale. You know, Temporary might be for the rest of your life until like Jesus comes back or calls you home kind of thing. He's like, yeah. But then he starts off and he says, in this rejoice. Why would I rejoice? You know? I would rejoice if I could just live at a fi- as a five, you know. And some of you that maybe have similar personalities to as I do, people may, might think you're a five all the time because they can't really see what's going on inside. So on the outside, it's like, oh, that person's very steady. But you know your inside life, don't you? And I've been uh, compared to like a like a duck on the water, you know, like you're like, oh, look at that duck, just like. Cruising, everything's pristine and beautiful. Like in terms of like steady, not that I'm pristine and beautiful, but just saying like like they're just like steady and like oh there's no. But what, what's happening beneath the surface? Them feet are kicking. Those webs webs are out there and they are doing some work. That's how I feel like I live a lot of times. Like it might look like there's steadiness there. I might look like a five, but my inside life a lot of times is doing is doing this. And as that is happening. As we're grieved by various trials, how can we be expected to rejoice? Um, well, he says it in the next verse. Those trials are so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, what he's saying is, in his experience, what he learned from Jesus and what he learned from ministry and just like being a son is that these, these things that we look at as negative, these things that are hard and difficult, these things that we could just put under the category of suffering, uh, just those are opportunities to put your faith into action in a new way. Like, that's where our faith gets tested in the sense of, like, do you really believe this? And so it comes down to, like, this thing I've asked myself so many times this in the last couple of years. I'm like, I, I've, well, this is how I say it to myself. I'm like, well, I either trust the Lord or I don't. Like, God's either who he says he is or he isn't. Which, which of those do I believe? And there have been many times where it was very easy to say, yeah, I absolutely trust him, 100%. But I've gone through some things, I know a lot of you have gone through some things, where it's not always easy to make that choice. But that's the refinement, right? Like, the things that we go through, the things that push us high and low, it's a new opportunity to say, well... I get, it's time to put my faith into action in a new way. I'm having to trust the Lord in a new circumstance. Even our journey as a church, I feel like, like, like we just keep coming into seasons where it's like, well, we've never done this before. We've never done this before. We've never had to trust him like this before. 
And so at a personal level, at a corporate level, at a global level, I feel like the people of God all around the globe are having to look at what's happening in our world and say, do we trust God or do we not trust God? I believe that's what he's getting at. It's that refinement by fire. And in that, we ultimately end up longing for his return. We say, I trust him. I'm, I'm putting my whole life into action like based on the fact that I believe that uh, Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. And so let's, let's do it. Let's go. And it's incredible to me that in his divine wisdom, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And that tends to be applied to marriage, of course, but I want to think of it in terms of like Christian community. It's not good for us to be alone as life pushes us high and low. So he said, how about this? Let's get together in little families. You can call them churches or whatever you want to call them, but I'm going to call them families. And you get to walk together through this stuff. And so that's part of the importance of gathering together on Sundays in small groups, having coffee together and meals together. And when we do that, being able to say, I am, I am escalated so much right now, or I've been super low lately. And maybe after today, maybe giving us some different language to say, and my tendency is I keep just wanting to go get drunk because I'm so miserable. I keep wanting to eat my feelings. I keep wanting to hurt myself. Yeah. I keep wanting to just avoid dealing with what I'm really feeling. And for us as Christian community to say, you know, Jesus is offering you something better than that. He's offering you hope. Like living resurrected hope. To meet you in your pain. According to his great mercy, he's caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's your verse. Don't forget that. That's part of what being together helps us to do. And so what we have to do here is we have to recognize the pattern. I promise you I'm landing the plane. Okay, um, Is that when when we are sensing that highness and the, or that lowness and, there, and our instinct is i got to do something. What are you going to do? Are you going to turn to some to a cesspool to get a temporary fix that's actually just going to pile on things like guilt and shame and regret and all that kind of Do you want to stay in that cycle? Or will you listen to the living water trickling next to you saying, drink? Like not that kind of drink. Drink of the fountain of living water. And how do we do that? Well, he's, he, that's to, to me, that's like what feeds your soul. He's given us prayer. He's given us the Bible. He's given us uh, Spotify with all this worship music on there. He's given us podcasts that actually have good Jesus content instead of just like mind numbing things that we escape into. He's given us Christian community. He's given us nature. He's given us all of these things that can help us connect to him and just drink of the fountain instead of settling for all this other garbage. So the application would be when you are feeling uh, higher or lower and you need to self-regulate, go to the things that he's given you as part of the fountain and turn your back on 
the cisterns that are broken and have proven themselves to be broken over and over and over again. I want to read one last scripture before we sing a little more. I was thinking about this, and for some reason, this just seemed like a good landing point. And maybe uh, I'm hoping the Lord is in it. What's God's? What's His attitude about about us in those moments? It's easy to feel like. Well, I'm, my fears, my stress, my anxiety is up here, and that's my own fault. It's mine to fix. Or I'm down, I'm sad, I'm whatever. It's my own fault. It's mine to fix. And even like self-regulation it implies like it's up to you to fix yourself. That, that God's like, hey, that's kind of your deal. Um, well, in 1 Corinthians... Through the writing of Paul, God gives us some descriptions of himself. Sorry, second, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That God inspired Paul to write and describe himself as the Father of mercies, like the, the Father who wants to dress your wounds with compassion and the God of all comfort. This like caring, nurturing, like I really do give a rip about uh, like how you are feeling. This thing you want relief from, I care infinitely about it. Verse 4, who comforts us in, our, in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort of, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. That last verse is deep. That as we are suffering, uh, in the midst of that, you're able to connect with something about Jesus in a really special, unique way. Like you, you're sharing in his sufferings. And sometimes we think of like, oh, that means that my he suffered for my sin, so I'm connected to him there. But it also it's this too. When you're going through hard stuff, like Jesus is dialed into that. You're connected to him in a really incredible way. That you're sharing in his sufferings. He's sharing in your sufferings. And Paul says, and at the same time, you're also sharing abundantly in his comfort. The comfort that Jesus receives in his sufferings. You receive in your sufferings. It's the same thing because he's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And so he is 100% on board with meeting us in the things that we're begging for relief from and maybe even avoiding wanting to deal with. And he's like, hey, I'm, all, I'm in. Let's do it. So this, this has something to do with our lives. And every week may not really like meet you right where you are. But this one, this one feels like it has some universal application in the sense that we are all kind of going up and down, and we have that temptation to just find temporary solutions. Uh, but God's offering us living, resurrected hope. And so, my prayer is that we will listen to what He's telling us, 
and have the courage to uh, like follow through on that and follow him into whatever he may have. And so in a minute we're going to sing. Uh, but this, this is more than just a singing time you know, for us. This is a chance to pray. Um, I said this earlier, like you might be the kind of person that you're like, as soon as we say the blessing and everyone starts talking, I'm going to forget what's stirring in me right now. You might need to just sit there and write some things down. You might need to come in at these steps and just kneel and pray. Uh, that's what this time is for. Is to, let's have some more sacred moments before we dismiss because life is waiting. You know, um, And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to just have that time uh, to respond. So let's stand together. Lord, I'm thankful uh, just for the many who have come into this building this morning. Um, and I know that you're, you're intimately connected to the things we're all wrestling with, the things pushing us up or down that spectrum. So I pray this morning that we would hear what you're trying to say to us that we would hear the living water, that we would hear the the offer of living, resurrected hope coming from our Savior. And there'd be no part of us wants to avoid or refuse to deal with it, but we would know that the God of all comfort is here. And you're with us wherever we go, whenever we go through. And so as we sing or pray or process through things, God, would you uh, just have your way in this room and in our hearts and minds uh, in the next few minutes? I'm as yours, not ours. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.